Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Well, because I want to continue from last Sunday when I was talking about answering some of the, of the objections that people have, when you start talking about the faith that we can have in God and the things we can expect God to do and really know that He does. You know, many will have objections when it comes to, well, not everybody should be healed. Not everybody's going to be delivered and, and made free from certain things that they encounter in life because that's, you know, what God wants for them to experience or encounter in life. Now, you may not know this, but that teaching is going on out there in the world today. Did you know that? Mm, most certainly. It's going on out there. Well, we want to rightly divide the word of truth, don't we? We want to live according to the word of God and rightly divide the word of truth so that we can have strong, robust faith in God. We don't want to interpret the scriptures so as to destroy faith. We want to interpret the scriptures so as to produce faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. This word is to produce faith in God, not doubt or unbelief. So let's continue along these lines, and we want to answer the Job question if we can. There are those that have the idea that, you know, you can have a Job experience today. All the, uh, the difficulties and the calamities and all the, you know, sickness and disease and all the different tragedies that you're encountering in your life, many will say, well, that's just God, you know, moving in your life, working in your life for uh, different reasons. Well, let's really look to the book of Job and explain some things that will help us to better understand that we really don't have to have a Job experience today. Doesn't that make you happy? It should. It should make you glad, not sad. You know, we can have a... Well, it depends on how you look at it. You know, if you look at it properly, it's okay to have a Job experience today. Because if you really look at the book properly, you find out that Job was greatly blessed. Did you know that? And either 210 to 240 years, depending on what scholar you believe, you know, he lived to be 210 or 240 years old. One year out of that, he had all the misery and all the calamity and all the trouble, but the rest of the years were blessings. You know, tremendous blessings in his life upon the earth. So, let's get into it. First of all, before we talk about some of the negative side, let's look at the value of the book of Job. In verse 9, chapter 9, verse 33, some things that we can learn from the book of Job. For example, the cry of Job's heart. In chapter 9, verse 33, he states, Neither is there any days man betwixt us that might lay his hand upon us both. In other words, there's no go-between, there's no mediator between God and man, no umpire between us. He was aware of the fact that he needed to have somebody to mediate for him. But there wasn't one, and that was the cry of his heart. Well, you'll find out that in the New Testament, we have his cry's heart answered, don't we? 1 Timothy 2.5 says that there is one mediator between God and man. Who is it? The man, Jesus Christ. Thank God that in the New Testament in which we live, we have a mediator between God and man. And so we see something, we see something here. We have something that Job didn't have. A proper mediator. You can't get better than the Lord Jesus, can you? Another thing. Look at Job 14 and, and verse 14. Job 14 and verse 14. Notice the question. If a man die, another cry of his heart, shall he live again? If a man die, shall he live again? I was at a funeral one time, and someone asked that question. But to make it short, you know, thank God that we knew the truth and... And I feel bad for others that do not know the truth. We thank God that we can live again. And the answer to that is found in John eleven twenty five. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Aren't you thankful for that? And if you believe on him, even though you die, he says, yet shall he live. So Jesus answers that question. Now, Job didn't know that. He didn't have uh, what we have today. So obviously he didn't know that. It was a cry of his heart. It was a question that he had in his heart and upon his mind. And thank God we have that answered for us. So that you can see right now, we are at a better advantage point in place in our lives. We know some things that Job did not know. Another one is found in uh, chapter 25 and verse 4. Chapter 25, verse 4. How then can a man be justified with God? It's a pretty good question, Job. How then? See, that was the cry of his heart. How could a man be justified with God? Well, the answer to that is found in Romans 5.1. But see, he didn't have Romans 5.1. Paul wasn't around yet. The book wasn't written yet and all that. You know that. Well, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Job couldn't say that. But we can. 
How's man get justified? Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Aren't you thankful tonight that you're at peace with God? Thank God for that. Man lost that way back in the beginning. But we're brought to a place of peace with God. How? Through faith. Of course, faith in the work of Christ upon Calvary. Well, he couldn't have faith in that at that point because Jesus hadn't come yet. Jesus didn't die yet. Some other values, and we don't have to turn to all these. You can just write them down. James chapter 5 and verse 11 talks about the patience of Job. From the book you can learn something about patience under pressure. This man was under a lot of pressure of circumstances. At one particular period of time in his life, and you can find out that even under the pressure of circumstances, he still held on to God and was faithful to Him and, and served Him. Also from the book, you can learn something else. This book shows, how, shows the courage of a man to declare that he had not sinned even though he was accused by others. He did not know about the problem that he was encountering. He didn't know the source you know, of the problem, the cause of the problem. And he was accused supposedly by his friends. With friends like that, you don't need enemies. Right? But yet he still held fast saying, no, I didn't. I didn't. You may accuse me, but I know I didn't. I know I'm right with God. I know something's wrong here, but I'm still right with God. So people know that. Only you know on the inside of your heart. If there's a problem, you'll know it. Don't look for one. It also shows something else. It shows the ability to admit it when you've spoken words without knowledge. Job admitted the fact that he spoke out words against God without knowledge. He was lacking, you see, when it came to the area of knowledge. He didn't know certain things, and so he spoke out certain things. And that's an attitude of humility, is it not? I spoke out some things. Well, God wants us just to have one child. We don't, he doesn't want us to have any more children. I'm speaking out those words, and in my heart I believe that was true. Therefore, I wasn't speaking out against God. I was just saying some things, really, that were not true. But yet I believed they were true, so God didn't hold that against me. But I spoke out words, and you know, when I found out the truth, I was the same as Job. <laughs> you know, I said I spoke those things out, but they were not true. But I believed they were true. God does want us to have more children, and thank God we do have more children, because the knowledge of the truth made us free. So a person can't admit that they're wrong before God. You know, human reasoning is not to be exalted above the knowledge of God. And even though human reasoning says all this, once I find out or discover what the Word says, I place that above human reasoning, and I admit the fact that I spoke out some words that were against God. It also reveals the ability of a man to intercede for others who have opposed him or done evil to him. See, Job interceded for these people. Even though they spoke out against him, even though they accused him and, and they opposed him, still, even though they wronged him, Job interceded for them. And you know all about that. But we can do it. There may be those that are out there that have, a, have wronged you, maybe opposed you, but this proves that man has the ability to intercede for those individuals, even though they have done so. And then something else I think that could be probably called, possibly called the great overall value of the book. And that is, it lies in the fact that Satan's low estimate of the human race of all mankind was shattered because of Job's integrity. See, Satan was making accusations against the entire human race. You think people are going to serve you? Sure, as long as you bless them, they're going to serve you. But I'll tell you what, you let me get a hold of them for about five minutes and you'll find out whether or not they serve you or curse you to, to your face. I'll show you what man is made up of. Let me have them for a while. You'll find out what man is truly made up of. And know what you find out? Job's integrity shattered his accusations. His low estimate of the human race was shattered because of Job's integrity. He held on to the truth, at least what he knew, what he believed in his heart. And he didn't waver from that. Imagine that. He didn't waver from it. He held firm and stood fast. Now, he lacked a lot of knowledge. Go on with me to chapter 1 and verse 11. He lacked a lot of knowledge. 
Yet what he believed to be true, he stood firm in his belief. Therefore, now, when we begin to look at some of these scriptures, let's not interpret, or I should say misinterpret the scriptures so as to produce doubt and unbelief in the lives of people and destroy faith. Let's properly interpret the scriptures in light of the whole Bible, the whole counsel of God. Because we have more knowledge than what Job had. This is what we mean when we say light is progressive. The revelation of God, it's light that becomes brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter more and more into the perfect day. Paul says, I even see through a, dark, through a glass darkly, but it's going to get brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter, more and more to the perfect day, because man cannot contain all the light of the knowledge of God all at one time. And the more we learn, the more God gives us, and then the more we learn. The more we learn, and the more we act upon that, then the more God gives us, and we learn a whole lot more. And so this goes way back. This book goes way back in Job's experience with God. But thank God, since that time, Jesus has come, and in Him is hid all of wisdom and knowledge and understanding. In Him. And we have Him in us. We have the mind of Christ. So we're not bragging ourselves when we say we know more. We have more. We've been given more. Even Jesus' disciples were told, there's a whole lot more I'd like to say to you, but you can't understand it yet. But you wait till the Comforter comes, the Holy Ghost will come, He'll lead you, He'll guide you, He'll teach you, He'll reveal to you all these things. He'll bring them to your remembrance. So thank God we have the Holy Ghost in us to lead us, guide us, teach us. We have that anointing that abideth on the inside of us, and we need not be taught, because the Holy Ghost teaches us. See, he didn't have the Holy Ghost on the inside of him. But what I like about the man is his heart, attitude, and motive. It's very good. Satan had a double challenge. It's found, first of all, chapter 1, verse 11. But put forth thine hand now, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. But let's back up to verse 10 and let's, let's, let's establish one thing here. Hast not thou made an hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath. He'll curse thee to thy face. Let's get this straight right now. God's in the blessing business and Satan's in the cursing business. God's in the prosperity business, and Satan's in the poverty business. God's in the health and healing business, and the devil's in the sickness and disease business. Let's draw that dividing line between what God does and what Satan does. We have John 10.10. Job didn't have that. The thief cometh not before to steal, kill, to destroy. But I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And that's the dividing line between what God does and what Satan does. Whatever kills, steals, and destroys comes from the devil. Whatever provides abundance of life comes from God. And that's how it should be. We have that revelation. Job didn't have that revelation. But we see here, because we could read the book, that the Bible says that God was the one that gave Job all that he had. There was a hedge of protection about him so that the enemy could not come in and destroy because he served God. The other one is found in chapter 2 and verse 5. But put forth thine hand now, and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse thee to thy face. Notice once again. Take away all that he has. In other words, all of his possessions and belongings that you've given him here upon this earth. He'll curse you to your face. Face. If he doesn't do that, then touch his body. And then he'll still curse you to your face. See? This is his estimate of the human race. Man will not serve God unless God blesses him with health and prosperity. Well, you know what, beloved? He was found to be wrong. And Job proved that. It didn't matter. He was going to serve God regardless. His circumstances did not determine whether or not he served God. He served God because he willed to, because he wanted to. Regardless of anything else that he understood, he served God. Amen? So Job's faithfulness proves that man can also, any man can serve God regardless of his circumstances. And that even if his circumstances are adverse, even if there is calamity in the area of his finances and even his physical body, he can still serve God. And Job proves that with his integrity. Now we know that 
At that point, Job was blessed with this hedge of protection about him, and, and God blessed everything that he had and his property. And I mean, he had like $790,000 just worth of, of uh, the cattle and the flock and all that. Livestock. $790,000 worth. Now, that doesn't include everything else that he had. That's just in livestock. God blessed this man because he walked with him. Amen. But you know, as well as I do, that one by one, what happened? In rapid succession, calamity came after calamity, and he lost all that he had. And he lost his family. He lost his children. And all these different things came against him. And, of course, at that point, he didn't know why it was happening. He didn't know who was the cause of it. He lacked knowledge in that area. Look at... Um, Verse 21 of chapter 1. This is one of the scriptures that is used to destroy the faith of people. Believers today. Many will preach from this text and they'll say, here's what Job said in verse 21. And said, naked came I out of my mother's womb. See, Job made two mistakes. His thinking was wrong and he made two great mistakes. In his life. In chapter 1 verse 21 we find the first one. And said naked came out of my mother's womb. And naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this Job sinned not nor charged God foolishly. Now something very important about this. People say see Job hadn't sinned. Job said God did that and God did that. We know that he did. And therefore if you're a believer today and you're going to... These calamities and difficulties in life, it could very well be that you're having a Job experience. Well, beloved, once again, we want to show you from the Word of God that that experience cannot be repeated in the first place. You can't have a Job experience under the New Covenant, under the New Testament. But also, we want to show that the Scriptures that are being used, once again, are misinterpreted or people are misunderstanding because they're not looking at the heart of things. The first one is found here in chapter 1, verse 21. And in the second one, look at chapter 2 and verse 10. Before we explain. Start with verse 9. His wife is speaking. Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. Now his wife's even speaking out to influence him to do wrong. I mean, you talk about someone having a broken heart. This man is losing his possessions. He's losing his physical health. Boils have come upon his body from head to toe. I mean, he's having difficulty after difficulty. His children are gone. His cattle, his livestock is all gone. Everything is, he's just, everything is falling apart from, from around him, all around him. Beneath him, it's, it's all falling out. Everything is caving in. Talk about emotional upheaval and broken heart. I mean, he, this man had a broken heart. He had a heavy heart. Now his wife's speaking out and says, Look, just curse God and die. But he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God, and shall we not receive evil? In all this did not Job sin with his lips. Now, see, someone might interpret that as saying, well, see, Job said that God gave the evil, so God gave the evil. And Job said that God took away, so, and, and he didn't sin with his lips. Now, let's remember something here. How many of you, you can praise God with your lips, but your heart not be in it? Isn't that true? They honor me with their lips, but yet their heart is far from me. Well, how many, how many of you know this? Job's heart was right. His intention was right. His attitude was right. And his motive was right. He lacked knowledge. God wasn't holding that as sin against him because he said God did the evil to him. And God wasn't holding that as sin to him because he said the Lord took away. He was only speaking what he thought to be true. Therefore, he wasn't sinning with his lips because his heart was not blaming God or accusing God in a vindictive way. He, was, he had no animosity in his heart toward God. What he said was wrong because we see the scriptures that tell us Satan touched him. Satan took away from him. Satan touched his body. See, there's a lack of understanding here. He doesn't know about Satan. He doesn't know about the works of darkness. He doesn't have a revelation of a personal devil at this time. And so he's just speaking out what he thinks to be true. And his heart is right. God judges the attitudes of a man's heart. His heart was right. But we know that what he was saying was not accurate. It was not 100%.
He had a lot of questions on his mind. Is there a mediator? How is a man justified before God? He didn't know all that. He didn't know about a personal devil. He didn't know about the situation there when Satan presented himself before the throne of God. He didn't know about all that. And so he told his wife, look, I'm not going to curse God. If I receive good from the Lord, I thank Him for it. If I receive evil from the Lord, it doesn't matter. I still love Him. I'm still going to serve Him. So his heart was right. Do you see that? His attitude was right. Do you see that? So he didn't sin from his heart against God. But what he said wasn't necessarily accurate, 100% accurate. So he thought, just like many have been taught today, we'll see, if sickness comes your way, if evil comes your way, if calamity comes your way, it could very well be, if it's coming in rapid succession, you have a Job experience. You know, that um, all this is coming against you because it's, it's within the perfect will of God for your life to suffer all these different things. Now, we've only been taught that we are to suffer persecution for righteousness' sake. And some of these other things that we are to suffer, which, which is scriptural. But when it comes to poverty and sickness and spiritual death, thank God we've been redeemed from that. And we don't have to suffer that under the New Testament. And we're not living in that day. We're living in this day. And so thank God, if you want to make a, make a note of this in your heart or mind or write it down somewhere where you never forget it, this is the answer to the Job question. Promises prevent past performances. Promises prevent past performances. Promises prevent past performances. Don't forget it. Promises prevent past performances. He thought his sickness came from, from God he didn't know. Did I have an enemy? Don't I have an enemy? I don't know where it's coming from. Look at just some of the things here. In Job chapter 3 and verse 25. For the thing which I greatly feared has come upon me. Did he have a revelation of fear and its devastation? Absolutely not. And that which I was afraid of has come unto me. Fear is torment. Fear opens up the door to, to evil and calamity. And when Satan went before the throne of God, God said, Behold, all that he has is in thy power. And one way we can look at it is we can see this, that there may have been a breach in the hedge of protection because he was now beginning to operate in fear because his children were doing wrong. They weren't living right before God. And therefore, he was offering sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice and after sacrifice. He didn't have a revelation of fear and what it can do to a person and his life, how it can open up the door to calamity and to the devil and, and demonic activity. He didn't have all that revelation or understanding. But he began to see the fear that he feared came upon him. And that which I was afraid of has come unto me. Look at chapter 6, verse 22. Right on through 25. Did I say, bring unto me or give a reward for me of your substance, or deliver me from the enemy's hand, or redeem me from the hand of the mighty? Wait a minute, look at that verse 23 again. Deliver me from the enemy's hand, or redeem me from the hand of the mighty. He doesn't know what he needs. Do I need deliverance from the hand of the enemy, or do I need to be redeemed from the hand of the mighty? Who is the mighty? Who is the enemy? What's going on here? His wife, you know, it's God being the enemy, said, curse him and die. See, they had a lack of knowledge there. They didn't have the full light. He's, he doesn't even know himself. These guys are trying to tell him what the problem was and what he had done wrong and all that. All Job knew was this. I'm serving God. No matter what my circumstance is, no matter what the problem is, whether I have health, whether I have sickness, whether I have wealth, whether I have poverty, no matter what I have, I am serving God. No matter what my circumstance may be, regardless, I am serving God. That was his integrity. When you talk about patience, that means stability under pressure. And even though he lacked the full revelation, he still held fast and firm. Look at the next verse. Teach me and I will hold my tongue. Cause me to understand where I have erred. Where did I have erred? Notice this next verse. How forcible are right words. But what doth your arguing reprove? He had a lot of questions. He knew some things. Obviously, he knew the, the effect of, of forcible words. So you see, beloved, it depends on how you look at the book. If you look at it, interpret it back when, when it happened, without having the light of the New Testament, then you may have the wrong impression. But since we have been taught certain truths from the Word of God today, we know that the promises that God has already made to us will prevent any past performance from taking place.
Now, let me clarify that. Go on back to Genesis chapter 6 with me, if you would, please. And look at verse 17. This is in the days of Noah. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. You know as well as I do that that took place. The flood that took place there during Noah's time. Go on with me to chapter 8 of Genesis and verse 21. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor, and the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground any more for man's sake, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more everything living as I have done. Chapter 9, verse 8. And God spake unto Noah and to his sons with him, saying, And I, behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your seed after you, and with every living creature that is with you of the fowl of the cattle, and of every beast of the earth with you, from all that go out of the ark to every beast of the earth, and I will establish my covenant with you. Neither shall all flesh be cut off any more. By the waters of the flood, neither shall there any more be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is the token of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you. Did you know God was in covenant with every living creature on the earth? You do now. For perpetual generations, I do set my bow in the cloud. It shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. Think about that. It's with the earth. And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow shall be seen in the cloud and I will remember my covenant which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh and the waters shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. And the bow shall be in the cloud and I will look upon it that I may remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, This is the token of the covenant which I have established between me and all, the, all flesh that is upon the earth. Promises prevent past performances. Promises prevent past performances. God made a covenant. God made a promise. And he said, that can't ha that's not going to happen anymore. And every time you're driving down a highway and you look up after a rain, you see the sun in the sky and you see a rainbow up there. What do you tell your children? That's God's promise up there. God made a covenant with every living thing upon the face of the earth. There'll never be a flood that'll wipe out all flesh and every living thing upon the face of the earth. And you let them know that and you believe it, don't you? Well, you ready for these? Turn with me to Psalms 91. God's promise and God's covenant prevents any past performance that takes place to the contrary of what he said. And even though it happened back when, in Noah's time, we have a promise that it will not happen again. And when God says something, makes a covenant, does he alter the thing that's gone out of his mouth? My covenant will I not break, nor alter the word that's gone forth out of my mouth. God doesn't change that. He's not changing this covenant that he made here with Noah and every living thing upon the face of the earth. In Psalms 91, this is something that Job did not have. Job lived before the time of, of uh, the Exodus and the Mosaic Law. In Psalms 91, 91st Psalm and verse 10, if you start just from the beginning of the psalm, you find out that we can now live in the secret place of the Most High. He couldn't do that. We can abide under the shadow of the Almighty. We can say of the Lord, He's my refuge, fortress, and my God, and Him will I trust. Verse 10, There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. Promises prevent past performances. He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in thy hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Don't have to turn to all these. You can if you want to, but in Luke 10, 19, 
It says, Behold, I give you power and authority over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So right here we see that we have a promise that says, No evil shall befall us, nor any plague come nigh our dwelling. Here we see that we have power over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. And what about that great one in 1 John 5.18 that says, that he that's born of God, whosoever is born of God, keepeth himself, and that wicked one touches him not. Which means, does not attach himself to him. Thank God. So if we look at some of the things that have been spoken in the New Testament, you'll begin to realize that promises prevent past performances. And when God made a covenant with man in, in, in all the earth, He keeps it. He does not alter the thing that's gone out of His mouth. We are living in the New Testament. And in the New Testament, the blood of Jesus Christ has been shed. And that enemy has been overthrown. He has been defeated. And if you read Ephesians chapter 1, He is beneath our feet. And that's why the Bible says Paul prayed that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened to know the hope of his calling, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and did it all for the benefit of the church. He raised him up how? High. Above all principality, all powers, might every dominion and name that is named in this world and that which is to come. And put all things beneath His feet and gave Him to be the head over all things for the benefit of the church. We are the church. And Jesus said, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So what we have in the New Testament prevents that experience from happening. It prevents us from having to go through a Job experience. Now, I said it's the way you look at it. If you give yourself over to fear, you can open up the door to the enemy. If you don't know your authority, you can open up the door to the enemy. If you don't know the promises of God, if you don't know the statements of fact that are true in His Word regarding our lives, then my people perish for a lack of knowledge. But to say that God is doing this, or this is a part of the will of God for your life, that you've got to go through this to prove that a man's going to serve God regardless of circumstances, that's not true. If that was recorded in the Bible so that we all would know that a man will still serve God regardless of his circumstances, then we've learned that truth, have we not? But the truth has been learned, and let us go on and move on. And let's live in the light of the New Testament that belongs to us. It is a new covenant, a better covenant, established upon better promises. And one of the promises and one of the benefits is this. The wicked one toucheth us not. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So Job didn't have everything that we have. Job, his eyes could not be open to the fact that all things are beneath his feet. Job didn't have the name of Jesus that we have. But I'll tell you what, if people really want to view the whole thing properly, some say he was about 70 years old when he encountered all the difficulties. And in another place, it's, it could be that some scholars, say, some scholars say up until 100 years old, anywhere between 70 and 100 years old. The whole situation only lasted about nine months to a year. That being true, if you had a Job experience, expect that after the year is over that you're going to get double back everything that you ever lost. The man lived to be 140 more years after that. 140 more years after that. Enjoying the blessings of God. With the hedge of protection about him. So think about that. But many will use that statement. We're having a Job experience. You're having a Job experience. You've got to experience this in your life. Because this is God's will for your life. And what they do by that is they destroy the faith of people. And then those individuals cannot rise up to a place of faith where they stand against the powers of darkness. Let's show some things that we have that he did not have or some things that we know that he did not know. Acts 10.38 reveals to us where sickness and disease comes from. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. God promoted Job's health. Satan promoted his, his, his uh, sickness and disease in his body. 
We know that now, and we know that Jesus went about doing good healing all that were oppressed of the devil. We have that revelation. So that's nothing new. We know that. And it's true in all cases. So he went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. We know that sickness and disease is satanic oppression. He didn't know that. I don't ask to redeem me from the hand of the enemy or of the mighty or deliver me from my enemy. I don't know who's doing this to me. Well, we know who's doing it. We know where it comes from. Christ redeemed us from the curse of sickness and disease. Well, if he did that, certainly he's not the one putting it on us. He paid an awful price in order to do that. In James chapter, or chapter 4, verse 7, right, it says, Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Job could not resist the devil because he didn't know anything about resisting the devil. Again, he had lack of knowledge. He did not know where his problem was coming from. But you and I know that we have the Word of God that says, In Jesus' name, we can resist the devil and he will flee. And that word flee means run from you as in terror, terrified of you. Think about that, beloved. Instead of being afraid of the devil, it's time that the people make the devil afraid of them. People have got to realize I've got power and authority over all the power of the enemy and put them to flight. Run from you as in terror. Resist the devil. He will. He will. He shall. He will flee from you. See, Job didn't realize that. Also, we have... What about, the promise, or what about the statement of fact in Matthew 8, 17? That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, that Jesus himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Job didn't have that. I'll tell you something else Job didn't have. He didn't have the revelation because it came after the Exodus and he died before the Exodus. He didn't have the revelation of Jehovah Rapha. Because it was in Exodus 15, 26 when he revealed himself after they came to the wall of Samaria where it was bitter water. And he says, I am the Lord Jehovah Rapha that healeth thee. He made a covenant of healing with the people of God. So he didn't have that revelation. But God did reveal that after the plagues and all that. And then again, the promise that no plague shall come nigh thy dwelling. Also, Job did not expect to have long life. He, he didn't cry out for deliverance. He cried out for death. Just let me die. He's going to serve me to be slayed him. It didn't matter to him. And you know what? That's a pretty good attitude, beloved. It doesn't matter to me. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to stay with God. And you should have the same attitude. I mean, if all we had was salvation or redemption from sin and had to go through this life... This way, it still beats eternity in the lake of fire. Can you say amen to that? But we have more than that, don't we? Because God's not slaying us. God's not against us. God's not bringing calamity on us. He's not doing all these things to the believer. He's already entered into a covenant with the, with the people of God through Jesus Christ. And he can't do those things. He's not going to do those things. She's so saying, well, my goodness, that takes away from the sovereignty of God. No sovereignty needs to be properly understood. Sovereignty does not mean that God's going to do anything He wants to do whenever He wants to do it. It doesn't mean that. In His sovereignty, God chose to bind Himself to His Word. And since He is sovereign, He can do that if He wants to. And He said, My covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that's gone out of my mouth. I'm not going to say one thing and then mock you and do another. No, I'm telling you what I want for your life, and I've, I've entered into a covenant agreement with it. It belongs to you. It is yours. He's not going to change that. That's what a covenant is. It's an eternal agreement. Sealed with the blood of Jesus, the testator died. It's in force. It can't be changed. You know, one of the things that Jesus got for us and fought for us, well, he didn't have to fight for it because God wanted to do it anyhow. But he made sure he provided this for us. It's found in John chapter 17 when Jesus prayed. I'm not asking that you take them out of the world. Just keep them. From the wicked one. The word keep means to protect from all loss, harm, damage, or injury by keeping your eye on them. Did you know that Jesus negotiated that for us in the covenant? Did you hear that? In his negotiations, Jesus said, Now look, I know you're going to leave them on the earth. You got to because they've got to preach the gospel. But you know what? I'm asking you this, Father. I'm asking you. Didn't, the, didn't Jesus say the Father always answers my prayers? Absolutely. He said, then protect them while they're in the world. Protect them from all loss, harm, damage, or injury by keeping your eyes upon them. And the Father said, okay. Sealed by the blood of Jesus. Promises prevent past performances, thank God. 
Psalms 91 verse 16, Job wasn't looking for long life, but you know what verse 16 says? With long life will I satisfy thee. With long life will I satisfy thee. Thank God with long life will I satisfy thee and show thee my salvation. And what about James 5, 14? Any sick among you? Any bo- have boils on your, from the top of your head to the soles of your feet? Let them call for the elders of the church and let them pray over them and them with all the name of the Lord to pray for patience and the sick and the Lord shall raise them up. If they get sins, then what? They'll be forgiven. them. Pray one for them they may be healed. Effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic and it's working. He didn't have that. But we do. He couldn't call for the elders of the church. If you call those three guys elders, good Lord. I call them brow beaters, you know. They certainly weren't, you know, elders of the church that could pray the prayer of faith. They said, well, you old sinner, you. <laughs> Never mind. And what about Psalms 107 and verse 20? He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their afflictions or their destructions. Thank God promises prevent past performances. Well, you say, did he send the word of God to us? Yeah. Did you ever read John chapter 1? And the beginning was the word, was God, the word, same was God, same was the beginning with God, made all things. Well, he was, when I made anything, made it was made. And the word became flesh, dwelt among us. He sent his word. Jesus is the word personified. Thank God. He sent his word to us. Well, did Jesus heal us? Matthew 8, 17 said he did. First Peter 2, 24 said he did. Did he heal us? Did he deliver us from our destructions? He came to deliver them all, all this time. We're fearful and bondage to death and, and fear and all that. He delivered us. He came to outdo, undo, and overdo the works of the devil. And he did that. So you see, what we have in the New Testament prevents us from having a Job experience. Aren't you glad? Or would you rather be someone, you know, like these patriarchs of old that have to go through all those different things? Would you like to do that? You know, someone says, I like to be like an Apollo, like a Paul, you know, Paul the Apostle. I like to be just like him. Oh, would you? Let me read from 2 Corinthians chapter 11 some of the things he encountered in his life for the name of Jesus Christ and the gospel's sake. Would you like to have been him? Beaten with rods? You know, see, sometimes we, we, we read things like that and we don't get the full understanding of what happened. This, this man, when he was beaten with rods, you know one place they aimed at when they beat a person with rods in those days to prevent them from going any further and preaching and teaching and proclaiming the truth? They got those rods and they beat the bottom of their feet. Hmm. So they couldn't walk. Imagine. Make it very difficult. I mean, this man encountered all kinds of persecutions and difficulties, but thank God, in, Tim- in writing in Timothy, he says, but my God delivered me out of them all. Anyone who lived godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, but... Out of all of the ones he encountered, he says, the Lord delivered me out of them all. Oh, thank God. And we can go on and on. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. Say with me, beloved. Christ hath redeemed me from the curse of the law. For it is written, Curses everyone that hangeth on the tree, that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. That I would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And if ye be Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Thank God we're called the heirs of promise, beloved. We're called, in, in Hebrews 6, right there, 18, 19, he talks about the immutability of his counsel that he will demonstrate or show to the heirs. Of promise, the immutability of his counsel, that God cannot lie. Thank God, He calls us the heirs of promise. We're the beneficiaries of the new and everlasting covenant. We are the heirs of promise. God has handed down upon our lives blessing after blessing. We're blessing the city. We're blessing. Someone says, How can you say that's our blessing? Abraham was blessing the city, blessing the field, blessing the basket, blessing the store, blessed coming in, blessed going out. All that he said his hand was had prospered. Why? The blessings of God came on him, overtook him. God's not the undertaker, he's the overtaker. He overtakes us with blessings. Can you say amen? Well, the blessings of Abraham belong to us. They're ours. Thank God for that. They belong to every one of us. 
We don't live under the curse. We've been redeemed from the curse. Christ did that. And now the blessings of Abraham have come on us. We are blessed coming in, going out, city filled, basket sword, all this ever hand will prosper. And when the enemy comes up against you in one direction, he will flee from you in seven ways. Hallelujah. Thank God we have the fullness of the blessings. Why do you think it's called the fullness of the blessings of the gospel of Christ? It's total deliverance for the total man. Christ's total gospel for the total deliverance of the total man. That's the fullness of the blessings of the gospel of Christ. Back in the Old Testament, his spirit couldn't, he couldn't deal with man's spirit. Did you know that? Couldn't get that spirit born again. That's why it's called in the New Testament the fullness of the blessings because now we've got the spirit of man dealt with. His heart's born again. They didn't have that back then. We don't even know what we have. We don't realize how much we have, beloved. But you know what? We have it nonetheless. It's ours. Well, 1 John 3 says that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And he did that. And if he already did that, well, thank God I don't have to have him destroy me. Jesus says, I am come that you might have life and have an abundance, but the devil comes to kill, steal, to destroy. And he said to that woman that was bowed over for all those 18 years, he says, ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, be loose of this bond on the Sabbath day? And you know what? Because she's a daughter of Abraham, yes, she should be. You ready for this? And if he be in Christ, he be Christ or Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Ladies out there, you're the daughters of Abraham uh, and Sarah. You're an heir according to the promise. You're an heir of promise. So you know what? Next time someone walks up to you and, and, and says to you that the reason why you're having that calamity, that problem, that, that difficulty in your life, whatever, because you're having a Job experience, just smile real big. You know, from ear to ear. And say, thank God I've been redeemed. Thank God I've been delivered. And you know what? Promises prevent past performances. And I can't have a Job experience in the New Testament. I thank my God I've been delivered from all that. And that I have power over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt me. It's already been done for me. Praise God. I, I tell you what. Revelation, once again, it's progressive. The light is progressive. And it's time that we begin to realize that we're not living in the Old Testament. Everyone that wants to disprove healing and all these different blessings of God. Always go back to the Old Testament to try to find some situation back there. That disproves or supposedly is going to disprove that we can have all these benefits from God. And they totally throw away the, the New Testament and the New Covenant. I always tell them, this is called the last will and testament of the Lord Jesus Christ. The, the, the New Testament is exactly what, what that is. It's the last will and testament of the Lord Jesus Christ. The testator died, it's now in force and no one can change it. Why are you wanting to live under the Old Testament when the New Testament gives you, gives you a better covenant, established by better promises and a whole lot more? Why do you want to prove, disprove something from the New Testament with something from the Old Testament? Let's put it this way. If you're on the job and they offered you an old contract based on all the past old negotiations, would you say, yes, that's what I want? If someone else came along and says, we've got new, a new, new uh, covenant agreement with the company and they're giving you all these better benefits and provisions, what would you rather have? The better or the old? Obviously, you'd rather have the better. The better contract with the company so that you have better benefits and provisions. Well, beloved, we're living in a new day. If God restored to Job all those different things and, and gave him everything back, double all that he ever had, you know how blessed that man was? The last 140 years of his life, do you know how blessed that man was? He was blessed. And if a man under that covenant can be so blessed by God... You got your shouting clothes on? Do you have your shouting clothes on? Then let's close with Romans chapter 8. People ask, you know, what are the scriptures that you really like? Well, there are a lot of scriptures. You can hardly say well, this one's better than the other. But I'll tell you what. This one's way up there on my list. What about yours? Romans chapter 8. Oh, those people that believe in Job experiences, I think they forget about the scripture in the Bible. Romans 8.31 What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, or if God be for us, if God for us is on our side, you think God is, is taking a side against you? Is God taking a side against us? We are His children now? Absolutely not. If God be for you, 
who can be against you. Now, you ready for the next verse? This is it. Verse 32. He that spared not his own son. And, and they'll go back and say, well, what about you? Wait a minute. What about Jesus? Wait a minute. What about Jesus? Revelation and knowledge is progressive. Don't go back way back there and say, I'm basing my belief on this. What about Jesus? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? We shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect. It's God that justified us. Who is he that condemns us? Is it Christ that died? Yea, rather, that is risen again? Who is even at the right hand of God? Who also maketh intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? No. Distress? No. Persecution? No. Famine? No. Nakedness? No. Peril? No. Sword? No. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted sheep for the slaughter. Nay, all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loves us. I am persuaded neither death, life, nor angels, principalities, powers, things present, things to come, nor height, depth, any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God so loved us, He gave us Jesus, and how shall He not with Him give us all things since He gave us Jesus? He hadn't done that yet, but He's done it now. It's already happened now, and we're on this side of Calvary, thank God. God is for us. God is with us. God is in us. He's on our side. It belongs to us. Don't let the devil take it from you. Can you say amen? Let's all stand and give God a shout offering. We're the triumphant church. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.